I think the songs today have been, and the Bible readings have just been outstanding in kind of pulling together and summarizing our theme for the day, and that is, uh, just as the last song so wonderfully sang, I mean, our God, what an awesome God we have, and, and what, how he looks over us and watches over us, and, and he's our hero. I'm going to talk a lot about that this morning. That's the title, Who is Your Hero? Question for you. What do Billy Graham, Ronald Reagan, Dean Natterstee, and Glenn Neal have in common? Oh, lucky guess. Yeah, they're my heroes. Glenn Neal is my dad. Still, you know. So in any case there, um, this question of uh, heroes is, is an important one, I think much more than I think we realize. And so the question I want you to be thinking about this morning as we progress is, who's your hero? Who are your heroes if you have more than one? So be thinking about that as we proceed, and then why are they your heroes? That's probably a, a bigger question. George Gallup, the pollster, he did an opinion poll a while back on kids aged 13 to 17. And the results were surprising, I thought, and I have to say personally, kind of saddening. Because the results of that poll showed that 51% of the teenagers said they don't know any adult that they'd like to model their life after. What? That, to me, is tragic. Sad and tragic. They can't think of any adult? Wow. We need heroes. What we need heroes for is because they help us shape our lives. They help us define our character. Heroes help clarify our values. Fred Smith, he wrote a book a while ago, and I'm going to just get one quote from it. I thought it was pretty good. He said this, Heroes are the personification of our ideals. They're the embodiment of our highest values, Society writes its diary by naming its heroes. I like that. I have to think about it, but I think he summarizes it so well, the importance of heroes. And he's right. He's right. You know, just down the road a piece in Rochester is the Mayo Clinic. We know it well and grateful for that being here in our state. And they have so many good applicants to work on staff there, young doctors, men and women, who are qualified to serve there. They are the top of the top. And Mayo, though, can't accept everybody. So these young doctors, they all have good discipline. They, they all have high motivation and high grades, good work ethics. So Mayo Clinic had to devise a way of how to sort this out a little more to hire the best of the best, how to separate the cream of the cream from everyone else. Well, one of Clinic's own, Dr. J.C. Kane, came up with what has turned out to be a very significant question for them. Because they discovered over the years that this question, how folks answer, can determine the difference between the good and the great. Here's the question that Mayo Clinic asks its young applicants. Tell, tell us. Tell us who your heroes are. Who is your hero? Dr. Kane said, as explaining why that's such a significant question, is because it's the best clue to their values and their character. 
Again, I think he's right on. Now, I think we have to distinguish, though, between a celebrity and a hero. I, I think we get them mixed up pretty easily. Now, celebrities, they make a big splash. They're all over the cover of everything. They're often rich and famous. Heroes, however, may or may not be rich and famous, but they make a big difference. They make a difference. I think we know if you pay any attention to any of the media stuff, a lot of people who are famous don't make any difference at all. They're here today, gone tomorrow, kind of like a shooting star. They're on the cover this week and next week, <laughs> nobody knows who they are. Got a little quiz for you this morning. Put on your thinking cap. We're not going to grade it. We're not going to collect it at the end. But I want you to distinguish between a celebrity and a hero, and I'm going to give you about seven different examples. And you've got to think to yourself, is this a hero or is this a celebrity? Here we go. First one, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. I already gave you the answer there as far as I'm concerned. I'm putting him in the hero category. How about Roger Nelson? Who's Roger Nelson? Prince, the Purple King Prince, Roger Nelson. I'd put him in the celebrity category. How about Aaron Rodgers? You laugh. I'd put him in the celebrity category, right? How about the soldiers in the Gulf War? Well, heroes, I would. And then Mother Teresa, hero, I would. Lady Gaga, celebrity, I would. Billy Graham, again, one of my personal heroes. And, of course, to top it all off, Tom Cruise. <laughs> celebrity, right? So I, I think we get it. You know, celebrity and hero, there is a difference between them. Last one, doctors, nurses, frontline medical folks during COVID-19, and of course, that's a two-hander, heroes. Grateful for them, and not only them, but also then the, the folks that are protecting us in these difficult times. Well, I think our culture today has all kinds of celebrities, but not enough heroes. Not enough heroes. The World Almanac asked 2,000 eighth graders to name their hero. Every single kid named either an entertainer or an athlete. These eighth graders named an entertainer or a sports star. I'm going, man, how sad is that? Because, as I've said, celebrities, they're all about image and fame. Heroes are all about character and, and, and service and sacrifice. And the world desperately needs more heroes. We need healthy, godly role models. Okay, what's a hero? Well, the Bible lays out some of these definitions, some of the characteristics that go along with being a genuine hero. In our text for this morning, so Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, get the image or the time frame there. Jesus is with his disciples traveling around the northern part of Israel, just north of the Dead Sea, or north of the Sea of Galilee. It's an area they were familiar with, Jesus being up in Nazareth, that's all in the northern part. So they're there in the area right around Caesarea Philippi. And while Jesus is there, he's with his followers, 
and he says, hey guys, what's the word on the street? What are the folks saying about who the Son of Man is? He's talking about himself. Who do people say the Son of Man is? That's 16 verse 13. Well, the disciples give Jesus a litany of individuals whom various folks thought Jesus to be. They this, 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 and this. It was only Peter, the rock, who got it right. Peter pronounced, and he points right at Jesus. He said, you, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. That is an incredible statement to make. I mean, for us, we kind of go, yeah, we've heard it for 2,000 years over the Christian, in the Christian church, but you got to understand back then that word Christ, that's a title. It's, it's, it's a job description of the individual, not the name, like Queen Elizabeth or President Trump or King Ferdinand, whomever it might be. That's a title. So Christ is a title, and Peter's saying, you're the title. You're the one whom the Jewish folks believe to be God's long-promised Savior of the world. So when Peter made that bold statement, he was stepping out on a long limb and making a claim that would rock the world. You're saying that Jesus was the answer to mankind's problem of disastrous sin. Now why this is significant is because Peter, he wasn't ashamed to go against the crowds of his day. Stand firm on his conviction of faith in Jesus as the Christ. And to me, that makes Peter a hero. You see, heroes are, real heroes, are willing to stand alone for what's right. They're willing to go against the crowd if necessary. They don't go looking for a fight, but if they come across it, they're going to stand up to it. They're willing to swim upstream. Now, imagine if our founding fathers of our country had, had wimped out and simply been politically correct and said, let's just do what England tells us to do and leave it alone. Thankfully, they didn't, right? Instead, they said, we need to stand up for what's right. And because of that courage, our country, the United States of America, was born. They were willing to stand alone for what's right. Here's another example from the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, fascinating section. It talks about David's mighty men, you know, King David and his armies and all that went with it. Here's what he said. Here's what it says in Sam, 2 Samuel 23. These are the three most heroic men in David's army. Josab, or Josab, Eleazar, the son of Dodo, and Shammah. Now, this second guy, Eleazar. If anybody had an excuse for not being a hero, it was Eleazar. And you know why? Because his daddy was a dodo. <laughs> I don't think they intended that to be humorous, but I, I always kind of smile whenever I read that section. You know. But my point is, even though he was, if his daddy was a dodo, and maybe your daddy was a dodo too, I hope not. But even if he was, Never blame your parents for your own actions. Never blame your parents for your own character. Never blame your parents for your own conduct. Why? Because you have a choice regarding how you will live your life. You have a choice. You see, it doesn't matter how you grew up. 
You choose to be what you want to be today. And what that means is we've got to quit blaming somebody else for our past. Yes, these things happen. Yes, they influence us. Yes, they affect us. That's true. But we can't use it as an excuse for the choices we make. And heroes, real heroes, choose to do heroic things. Now, I doubt if you're going to have to fight in a war this week, unless you're in the National Guard and headed to the Mideast somewhere, Iraq or wherever. But I can pretty much guarantee you are going to face other kinds of battles, my friends. You sitting here this morning. You watching at home. You're going to be facing battles of ethical nature. You're going to face some moral battles. You're going to face some, some questions and challenges and temptations on your integrity. You are. How are you going to handle those battles? Are you willing to stand alone for what's right? Or are you going to go along with the flow, the current social media bent to go along with the majority? Well, Moses, speaking on behalf of God, kind of gives us some direction in that area. In Exodus chapter 23, Moses writes, as God tells us, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Easier said than done, right? Every week, you and I get an opportunity to demonstrate character. When everybody in your workplace is ripping off the company and, and you choose not to, that's character. Maybe they're coming in late, leaving early, beyond what they're entitled to. They're taking time off, perhaps punching the clock, inaccurate time clock. Maybe they're stealing things from the company. It's not right, is it? What are you choosing to do? Or maybe if you're a student at school and, and uh, when you get back together and are able to be together, when everybody else perhaps is doing drugs or they're going to parties every weekend, getting drunk or getting high, or they're cheating on tests, what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to stand alone for what's right? I have to wonder, talking to myself more than you, how many times you knew something was wrong and you wimped out with your friends. I hang my head. Maybe you didn't say anything about it. You didn't stand for your convictions, though. You were quiet. Guilty. I know what I'm talking about, because believe me, I know I've wimped out way too many times over the years. So the question for us this morning is relatively simple. Are you willing to stand alone? Boy, boy, oh boy. That's a hard one. It really is, because I'm guessing our intentions are good, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. It's hard. It's very hard because the truth is we all have this deep desire to, to fit in. We all have a desire to be accepted. We all want to be long. We all want to be loved and liked. We do, don't we? And, and if I don't go along with the, with the crowd, I, I may not be liked or accepted as I desire. So what should I do? Especially as we live in a culture today, as we do, that doesn't really value truth. We live in a culture which rather values tolerance at a higher level than truth. Our current culture says that 
Every idea is equally valid. My friends, every idea is not equally valid. If I say Jesus is God, or if I say the moon is God, or if I say the moon is made of blue cheese, these are not equally valid ideas. One's true and right, and the other one's wrong. You see, there are rights and wrongs in life. There are. And yet one of the biggest problems today is Christians are afraid to stand up and say, you know, that's wrong. Suppose you're in a conversation this week and somebody says, you know, there are no absolutes. There is no right or wrong. Everybody's lifestyle is equally valid. Do you have the courage to stand up and say, you know, that's not really true. Do you have the courage to say, perhaps, you know, murder is not okay? Nor is child molestation acceptable? Or you say adultery, sexual promiscuity is not perfectly fine just because you feel like it? There are absolutes, my friends. We live in a culture today that doesn't like that idea. Our culture today has turned everything around and there are forces in the media and elsewhere saying that right is wrong and wrong is right. Well, notice what the Bible says about that topic in Isaiah 5, verse 20. It says, Destruction is certain for whom? For those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark. We have people saying that all the time today, don't we? Since when did truth change, is my question. Since when did right become wrong and wrong become right? Are we more enlightened in 2020 than we were 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, three years ago? Well, let's say you're in a conversation this week and somebody says to you, you know, we're all going to heaven, we just get there in different ways. Do you believe that statement? You probably heard it. If, if you're not, you, you will or you're not talking politics and religion. When you hear that statement, are, are you going to zip your lip and say nothing? Well, look at it this way. If I pick up my cell phone, I can't dial just any old number and get my home. There's only one number that's going to get me my home. Now, I might be sincere, but I can sincerely dial the wrong number because there's only one number that's going to get me connected to home. So what are you going to say where that conversation comes up? And I'm, many of you have had it already. Others, if you haven't, you will. Let's kind of flesh it out and make it real. Do you have any Jewish friends? Maybe some Muslim friends? How about some atheist friends? I've had many conversations with a variety of folks over the years. Suppose they ask you, and maybe they have, you know, you're a Christian, aren't you? you go, uh-huh. And so they ask you, you know, if, if, if I don't accept Jesus Christ and trust in him as my Savior, am I going to hell? What would you say after you cringe a little? 
Well, here's what I've learned to say over the years, and maybe it's something you can think about. I'd say, Kathy, that's what I'm gonna call our Jewish Muslim atheist friend, Kathy. You know that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. But I will tell you, Kathy, what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus saying this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Hmm. And then I would conclude that by not just saying so there, but I'd say, you know, Kathy, I'm betting my life on that verse. I'm betting my life that Jesus is right. I'm counting on the fact that Jesus knows more about it than I do. If that statement of Jesus is not true, my friends, if Jesus is, is not the only way, but simply one of many ways to God in heaven, if Jesus lied about being the only way to heaven, then you and I ought to close up shop this morning, close up Zion Lutheran Church right now, and let's go home and have a cup of coffee at Perkins. Because, very simply, no one who's a liar deserves to be worshipped. Either Jesus was right or he's wrong. There's no middle ground. He didn't say, I am one of the ways, one of the truths, one of the lives. He said, I'm it, guys. Now, maybe you're one of the fortunate ones who had a lot of heroes as a kid. One guy wrote about himself growing up. He said, when I was a kid, my heroes were, and then he lists them. He said, Babe Ruth, Thomas Jefferson, Andy Griffith, the Lone Ranger, and Super Friends. But then the guy says, then I grew up. And somebody pointed out to me that Babe Ruth was an alcoholic. Jefferson was an adulterer. Andy Griffith smoked. And the Lone Ranger had to hand over his mask. And the super friends, the fellow concluded, aren't even real. All of my heroes, he said, were stripped of their dignity. Real heroes. Real heroes are people who strive to make godly choices. And you notice I said strive. Doesn't mean we always succeed because <laughs> we don't. But man, we want to be striving to do those godly things in life and the choices and the courage to keep moving in that direction as opposed to giving in regularly. Peter was bold in his confession of faith, wasn't he? He was bold in his confession that Jesus was indeed the Christ, and that made him a hero. Christian heroes today, like Peter of old, are not perfect people. What did we do when we started our worship this morning? I, a poor, miserable sinner. So we're saying, yeah, we, we get it, we're not perfect, but we are forgiven, and we're part of God's family. We don't always make those godly choices, even if we want to, and I'm assuming that you wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't want to. We're not always even good folks, except for you guys here. You know. But Christians are folks who love their Lord Jesus Christ. They're people who, who know they're forgiven of their sins because of Jesus' death on that Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. And because of that forgiveness, there are folks who want to and strive to stand for what's right, even when other folks are doing the wrong thing. 
Think you can do that? All by yourselves? No, me either. We can't. But with the power of God working in and through you, you can be a true hero in God's family. Now, I'm convinced, my friends, that God didn't bring you to Zion Lutheran Church today by accident. Because Zion is a world-changing church. It is. And God wants you and me to be world-changers. We're not talking millions of people at a pop just from Hopkins. But it can be one at a time. It can be by the influences we have in life, by the contacts we make, by the way we live, by the, con by the words we say. And my prayer is that God would work in and through you and me to be part of an army of heroic men and women in this church family. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.